This Palo Santo species, Bursera graviolens, that we typically purchase is not endangered. I am Cheryl Witten, and this is The Aromatherapist, where we discover the superpower of plants. This episode is brought to you by the brand new ebook, Diffusing for Beginners. I created this ebook because there's so much confusion around aromatherapy and diffusing, and so much discussion and so much debating about what is safe. This ebook breaks down the mechanism of smell, the real dangers in your home from synthetic scents, and explains how aromatherapy can actually transform your home and space into a clean and natural haven. Discover the safety considerations around certain conditions like epilepsy, asthma, children, how to diffuse around pets, and more. Experiment with 48 different all-season diffuser blends. Diffusing for Beginners is available now on Kindle. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the show. I hope you're all keeping well and staying healthy in these crazy times that we're living in. Today, I want to talk a little bit about Palo Santo. Over the years, the, the mythology around Palo Santo has, and its conservation status has gotten a little bit out of control. The internet has made things pretty intense. And there's a general misunderstanding of the species and a confusion between different species types and a general confusion, I think, around conservation. So today, I want to talk a little bit about the beautiful Palo Santo tree, where it comes from, what needs to happen with the tree to make it medicinal for us, and things that we need to do, how to use it, what's important to know about it, and things that we need to do as consumers to make sure that we're being ethical and responsible with this botanical while understanding that the conservation status you've read about it online probably isn't exactly correct. So let's get to it. Palo Santo is a tree native to Central and South America and belongs to the same family, plant family, as the frankincense and myrrh trees. So Palo Santo species name is Bursera graviolens. So this is a familiar plant to many people, especially if you ascribe to the spirituality community. You'll see this and folk medicine or traditional medicine, you'll see Palo Santo very often. And it is typically used for the empath, the highly sensitive person, the spiritual person, and has very deep traditional roots. The Incas used Palo Santo wood to spiritually cleanse and purify themselves, and shamans also used it to ward off evil spirits, as well as cleanse and purify themselves spiritually as well. So it has very deep traditional roots and is something that's well known and used in the spiritual community. The Palo Santo tree grows throughout Mexico, Peru, Paraguay, and mainly along the coast of Ecuador in the dry forests. It has many different beneficial medicinal um, attributes to it. And we're going to talk today a little bit about why this tree is fantastic and some of the different interesting phenomenons around it and also about the conservation status to it as well. So like the frankincense tree, Palo Santo has shallow roots instead of a long tap root. So when the monsoon season comes, the Palo Santo is able to soak up large amounts of water. It also has long branches and a short trunk, which makes it top heavy. So this combination of being top heavy with shallow roots and then being able to soak up large quantities of water makes it prone to tipping over. 
So this process of tipping over and of naturally falling is actually one of the, the key parts of this tree. And this is what makes for the best wood and essential oil. So the essential oil of the Palo Santo tree is actually found in the fallen tree or the branch or the trunk. So the longer the tree lays on the ground, the more the oil and the chemistry develops. And the longer it lays there, the better. So when we're looking at harvesting Palo Santo tree, we actually want it to have lain on the ground for like five, six, seven, ten years. Additionally, when it comes to the wood, the more oil that's in the wood, the more fragrant the wood is. So this is important if you're burning Palo Santo wood. And also, the more oil that's in the wood, the, the older the tree is, the more oil that's in the wood, and the slower it burns. As well, the longer it lays, the better the essential oil is for healing properties. So it actually needs this process of dying first and then aging in order for it to be beneficial and to have any medicinal properties to it. So a living or cut tree does not develop oil in the same way the fallen tree does, which is a really interesting phenomenon because most trees don't do that. So when we look at something like a spruce tree, the spruce tree is actually best taken from a young branches from a young tree in the dead of winter because that is when the oil is the strongest. So it's a young living tree and in the middle of the freezing cold minus 40 Celsius weather, that's when the oil is the, the highest in the tree. So that's when it's best taken. And many trees are like this. So for the tree to be dead, in order for us to get the oil, it's very interesting phenomenon. So this is actually good news for those who use and purchase Palo Santo because it's actually a good way to identify authentic Palo Santo and ethically and responsibly sourced products. This is where we get into the conversation about conservation status and confusion sort of around this tree. So in 2005, the government of Peru listed Palo Santo as critically endangered. For years, the tree was unilaterally considered an endangered species until 2019 when the International Union for the Conservation of Nature, or the IUCN, published a review of the species. And they said that Palo Santo status is actually of least concern. So there's a couple of things that happen here. First, Palo Santo is a name for actually another tree as well, which has a species name, Bolnesia sarmientoi. And this is not the Bursera graviolin species, obviously. They're not the same tree. The Balnesia species is endangered, and it is commonly also called Palo Santo. So this is the first beginning of where some of the confusion coincides. So not only with the Peruvian report, but also with the confusion between species. And if we go back to the Peruvian report on Bursera graviolens, conservation status can vary from country to country. So obviously within one area, one region, that species can be over-harvested. It can be threatened by certain practices or commercial practices or just the environment in that area. And so in one area, the status can be critical. If the, spe the species is rare and only found in that one region, then that puts it at greater risk for endangerment. If the species is found in multiple regions and they don't are not in the same status, they are not being threatened in the same way, then 
it's possible that globally speaking, the species isn't endangered and the risk is lower. So this is where the IUCN considers species. They look at the whole picture of the species globally, the overall state of that botanical in all areas. Because it is critical in one area doesn't mean that it is diminishing across the world. So here, when we look at Palo Santo, this Palo Santo species, Bursera graviolens, that we typically purchase, is not endangered. However, this doesn't mean that the public should go and purchase Palo Santo and go on a big buying, you know, a buying spree and just purchase any old thing. There are reports of fake Palo Santo out there. So it's really incredibly important to look at the species name, look at actually what you're purchasing where it's from and just do a little bit of research before you just blindly buy a product. And also realize that the tree's habitat is threatened by logging and farming and changing use. And so the species isn't necessarily globally threatened, but the habitat itself is. And so we still need to look for products that are being sourced ethically and sustainably. These products should come from naturally fallen trees. So there shouldn't be any living or cut tree use because there is no medicinal benefit in wood that comes from the living tree because there's not as much oil in there. So it actually doesn't help for, for incense. It doesn't help for burning the wood. It doesn't help for the essential oil. It doesn't help for the resin either because it chemically develops in the tree after it has already died and fallen. This process should also be done, obviously, in fair trade, fair wages with the locals and indigenous peoples. So the practice of smudging and cleansing with Palo Santo is an indigenous practice. So it's very important to recognize that and incorporate that into your decisions of where you're purchasing. So I like to recommend that if you're going to purchase wood, try and purchase it from a indigenous business in order to support that business as well. And the biggest thing really to remember and consider is that, like I said, medicinal use of Palo Santo isn't best from living trees. So therefore, we need to look for companies that are using sustainable processes of naturally fallen dead trees. Globally, Palo Santo isn't endangered, but it is considered critical in Peru. So there are, there are guidelines and regulations in Peru around how Palo Santo can be harvested, only certain companies work with the species. And so it's especially important to ensure that products from Peru are ethically and sustainably sourced. So Palo Santo trees also contain resin. So for most resin essential oils, the tree can be safely cut. The resin is tapped and then chopped or powdered and then distilled. So with resin, where it becomes dangerous for the tree is when incisions are too large, too deep, and too repetitive, and then the tree doesn't have a chance to recover. With Palo Santo, however, because the chemistry develops over time in the fallen dead tree, living trees do not need to be and shouldn't be cut to collect oil or resin. For Palo Santo, the oil actually comes from the wood. And so the wood is chopped into sawdust and then distilled rather than removing resin and distilling resin. You can purchase Palo Santo resin, like you can get frankincense resin and burn that in a resin burner. However, the essential oil is from the wood. And this is actually also how incense sticks are made too, by the way. 
The wood is chopped and powdered and then formed into an incense cone. And so when it comes to incense, Palo Santo incense, it's still important that the tree is naturally fallen and dead because this is where, as I said, the oil and the resin collects and develops after the tree is dead. So if we're cutting down a tree to make resin, it, it doesn't it doesn't make any sense. So how do we use Palo Santo oil and wood? So the main constituents of Palo Santo essential oil are limonene, alpha terpenol, and menthofuran. Of course, there are many more because essential oils contain many, many, many constituents, but those are the highest ones in this essential oil. Limonene, most people are pretty familiar with limonene. We've heard a lot about it. There's a lot of research on limonene. And it's shown in research to be effective for a variety of different things. So probably the thing that I'm most interested in when it comes to limonene is that it can stimulate the glutathione S-transferase. This is a detoxification process in the liver. So limonene can stimulate that process, which helps to remove substances from the body. That's a natural process that your body, detoxification process that your body already has. That's why I really look to essential oils high in limonene like citrus oils in order to support that process. Limonene is also supportive for the digestive system and it supports normal peristalsis, which is the natural movement of the intestines. It also is known to dissolve cholesterol-containing gallstones. It is also able to help with acid concerns like acid reflux and GERD. And it's also been shown to have a preventative effect for cancer. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that this is a treatment or that this particular oil has those effects, but this compound was seen to do that in animals and humans. The dosage is probably going to be at a much higher rate than we would ever use, specifically in what you're going to get from an essential oil, but it is shown to to do that. We've also seen limonene to inhibit skin tumors as well, through inflammation prevention and oxidative stress prevention. Limonene and specifically D-limonene is generally regarded as safe and is added to fruit juices and sodas and ice creams and all kinds of other products and is used as a flavoring agent. However, just because Palo Santo has limonene, which is safe to ingest, doesn't necessarily mean this essential oil should be ingested. So, Palo Santo also has this constituent called menthofuran in it. And given its content of this, this is one that I would be hesitant to ingest. And also just because it's not going to taste that great, honestly. Menthofuran, we see in in vitro research that it has the potential to be hepatotoxic, which means toxic to the liver. So it's an interesting phenomenon also with this essential oil. Again, this, this essential oil, this tree is just so interesting to me because you have the, on the one hand, you have limonene in it and a really high content of limonene, which is almost unheard of in a tree. And it actually might be supportive for the liver and its natural processes. But on the other hand, you have this menthofuran content, which can be toxic to the liver. So it just, it's an interesting dichotomy that this essential oil has however menthofuran we see in research that not even very high doses of it can cause problems and so this is something that makes me then pause and consider 
So we'll come back to the contraindications for this in a minute and we'll kind of go over who should use it and who shouldn't use it. So back to our limonene. Limonene is also shown to reduce anxiety, which is probably why it's used most for spiritual reasons and during meditation. As well, Palo Santo has alpha terpenol in it, which is a constituent that is found in many different essential oils, including tea tree. And alpha terpenol is antifungal, it's antimicrobial, it's an insect repellent. It also has analgesic effects, which means to relieve pain. And so this is going to give it many different beneficial applications. So how do we actually use this? All of this information sounds really fantastic, but we understand that essential oils work synergistically. So how do we actually use this? Is it actually going to do all these things in our body? So the answer is probably not. It's probably not going to help very much with all of the things I listed limonene can do. And if we go into the research and look at all the things limonene can do doesn't necessarily mean that Palo Santo is going to do that. Again, there's many, many different constituents in one essential oil and they work all together. Where we see the most application for Palo Santo is around skincare. So that alpha terpenol in there is going to make it beneficial for skincare use, skin infections, acne, for example, wounds, those kinds of things. The limonene is going to make it beneficial for mood support, for anxiousness, for meditation, for grounding and clearing, uh, uplifting the spirit and the mood to use during meditation, for a sense of security. And the alpha terpenol is also going to make it beneficial for joint and muscle relief, pain relief, as well as reducing inflammation as an immune support. And we'll see it beneficial with that that combination of limonene and alpha terpenol where you have respiratory support through limonene and antimicrobial support through the alpha terpenol, then it's going to be supportive for coughs and colds and lung health as well. So we're going to apply it to the skin. We're going to use it for joint muscle pain. We're going to use it to reduce inflammation. We're going to use it for emotional benefit. And then, of course, it does have those traditional uses of energetic and spiritual cleansing as well and to use during meditation. So that alpha terpenol is highly antibacterial and antimicrobial, which is probably why it was used for those cleansing purposes as well. So when we use the wood, we can burn it for cleansing and purifying and a smudging process. And we can also burn the wood for fragrant smoke that keeps insects away as well. We can also soak some of the wood in water, like a, a tea, for cough and colds. When you're sort of feeling a little bit low, that could be a good tea to use as well. So who should not use it? So back to that menthofuran content. This is a, a botanical then that it's not necessarily a contraindication for it. We don't really see any hard contraindications listed for Palo Santo. But that little menthofuran content could, you know, is going to make us pause and consider. So we're not going to use high doses of it. We're going to be a little bit more careful around children. We're going to be careful around people who have liver disease or poor liver health. We're going to use a little bit more caution. But again, what's going to be important here is dosing. 
So if we're using too much of any essential oil, that's not going to be good for anyone's liver. It's not going to be good for anyone's skin. It's not going to be good for any age group. So dosing is going to be really, really important. One drop occasionally, one drop here and there, one drop even every day is unlikely to cause any concern. And it wouldn't be something I would be hesitating over. The limonene can be irritating to the skin. Some people do find that it may cause irritation. And so, of course, diluting the essential oil before applying it is going to help protect your skin and just protect your overall health as well. It's going to slow down any absorption of it, which will help your liver also, but also reduce any risk for sensitization as well. So Palo Santo is a beautiful tree, which makes a beautiful essential oil. I use this essential oil a lot just to diffuse because I do enjoy the aroma of it as well. And I add it to my meditation practice. We can add this to yoga practices, put a drop on your yoga mat. You can add it just to calm your body and calm your own emotional and mental health and to support your yourself. Make sure the products you're purchasing are authentic. So we have heard that there are fake products out there that there are adulterated essential oils. This is not new, unfortunately, and it's not only specific to Palo Santo. Adulterated fake essential oils are common. So make sure you're really sourcing a true authentic essential oil. And one thing you should be asking the company you're purchasing from is, how do you harvest your essential oil? It's a very, very, very important question. Make sure to purchase ethically and sustainably sourced wood that is from and products in general, incense, essential oil that is from naturally fallen dead trees. And especially if they are from Peru. But in general, rest assured that this species is not globally endangered. All right, beautiful people. Thank you so much for listening today. If you feel so inclined, please subscribe, rate, and review this show. For show notes and more information on essential oils, please visit livelovelemon.com forward slash podcast and we love to know what you're up to and how you're using your essential oils so head over to instagram and find us at the aromatherapist podcast my name is cheryl witten and i am your aromatherapist we have to share with you this obligatory disclaimer Information in this podcast is for educational purposes only. It is not a replacement for medical advice or for professional aromatherapy consultation. If you need medical care, please visit your physician. Speak to your primary care provider, pharmacist, and a qualified aromatherapist before commencing any programs.